coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talk with the founder of a well-known firearms manufacturer and revisit the 1022 platform. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. This episode is brought to you by Target Sports USA. Be sure to check out their Prime membership, which gets you 8% off, free shipping on all ammo orders, and a whole lot more all for $95 a year. If you would like to sign up or purchase ammo, please go to targetsportsusa.com forward slash the gun experiment. And as always, I cannot get the show started without the big man across the table, my co-host drinking a big cup of whiskey, Big Keith is in the house. That is a rare occurrence, actually. It's no, been a little less rare lately. I yeah. feel like I've I've kind of got you back on board the uh, the train. Yeah, um, I like having a little 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 bit when we do a show. I do too. Uh, I just you know I I got used to the coffee there. I'm not really sure why. I like that happened. as well. Just happened that way. But how you doing? In. I'm doing good. I'm uh, still waiting on the hawk. Still waiting. Yeah, and you're waiting on your Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 coming back. We had a yeah, you got a, some nice nice toys in the wings. Huh? Nice toys in the wings, and uh, yeah, it's getting ready to put some of them away for the uh, cold weather, though. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, uh, I, I one thing I don't want to go too down the rabbit hole, but we recently had on uh, Bill from Firearms Policy Coalition. Yes, and on that show, he said, "Just wait, stuff's happening." And I got an email the other day. It felt very personal, like I thought it was to me, but it was really not. It was like that, right? <laughs> but it, it was to New Yorkers looking to restore their rights with "quote unquote" assault weapons. Oh, and they're looking for plaintiffs to take it to court. So, oh, that's interesting. He wasn't pulling our chain. No, uh, and there's, I'm sure there's some people who have. Uh uh, had charges pressed against them yeah. on, on, on what do, the word, I, what word would I want to use? Too much uh, whiskey. What's going on here? Yeah. Too much whiskey. All right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. Do you want to hear a uh, review? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. There's going to be one about that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we got a five star review and it's titled always in my rotation by Evo BJJ. So obviously jujitsu, right? Yeah, that's true. I always forget that. Says, I'm a huge fan of TGE. Mike and Big Keith are an entertaining duo who bring in a variety of entertaining and informative guests. What I enjoy about the hosts is that they ask their guests deep-rooted, compelling questions as opposed to stereotypical, quote-unquote, soft-toss questions. Great show. I really appreciate that. Uh, I know you do. We we work hard to... uh Dig a little deeper sometimes. Yeah, I I, I love to think that I don't just uh, stay surface level. So that's yeah. really, really cool. I have to say though that BJJ, you know, acronym there is not. It, it could be construed as there's only things. one. There's 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 two J's. Yeah. Well, it could be. I mean, at a quick glance, someone can mistake that. You have a problem with that? I mean, well, when they walk into the room and um, there's you know half naked sweaty guys <laughs> on each other, they might think something. Maybe. Maybe some guys like it. Maybe. You know? Sorry. Sorry. The the comment was very nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so uh, before we get into tonight's show, we are getting close to a thousand followers on Instagram, which I know is small potatoes compared to some people. But uh, considering we started with literally nobody, like not even a Friday, <laughs> like one friend, not even you. I wasn't even a subscriber. No. <laughs> so uh, if you could follow us on Instagram or Facebook, we really appreciate that. Help us get over the hump. 
Uh, and I think we're ready to start this interview. Before we do, tonight's interview is brought to you by Flatline Fiber Co. Flatline creates quality sewn goods for the firearms community. Whether you're looking for a new sling or maybe some ear pro wraps to make range sessions more comfortable, they have you covered. All products are made by hand in the USA, including free shipping and have a lifetime warranty. Use the discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10 at checkout to get 10% off. And thank you for supporting the companies that support the show. Today's guest holds a degree in manufacturing technologies and the inventor of several U.S. patents in both the firearms and defense industries. He is the co-founder and president of Faxon Firearms. Joining him today is his director of marketing. Please welcome Bob Faxon and Dustin Wallace to the show. Guys, how we doing? <laughs> good. Good. How are you? Very good. Very good. Have you guys done a lot of podcasts? You know, uh, Yes, mostly because we, we do have our own. Uh, so sometimes you could catch Bob and I on the show, but Bob's done. He, he's basically a, a walking press tour when he's not weighed down with day to day, you know, Bob's TV, radio, podcast, you know, kind of whatever goes. That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. This is weird. It's been a long time since we've done one where we, we're not doing video. So I, I keep looking at the screen to <laughs> see faces. We always so, tell people yeah. we should just do the video just and not maybe air it, but yeah, we're, we're so uh, we're getting close. Keith mentioned off the air that uh, I recently um, had a studio built and um, it, it's not just like a room, like it's, it's decked out pretty well, I would say. And I think you're understating it, in my <laughs> personal opinion. And uh, the reason why it's that decked out is because eventually video will follow. So it's, it's sure. in the wings, it's coming, but it, we're just not there yet. There are so. some pictures on Instagram, I think, out there. So uh, anyway, guys, so there's a ton of content out there that really goes in depth on the history of your company and, you know, your, uh, Bob, your experience in manufacturing. And, you know, I, I could, I could say that and ask that question again, but I feel like it's been pretty well covered. So what I would like to know is, could you tell us a bit about your creative process that you go through when you're looking to create a new product? Because I feel like every creative has a process they go through. And I'm just curious what yours is. I like that question. Um, I can probably tell you the way I tell most people is everything we've invented is because I was pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I mean, when you see things and I think uh, it's, it's just a frame of mind. And if you have things that irritate you, some people say, well, I have to deal with it. And some people say, what can I do to deal with it and change the environment, change the surroundings. And, you know, in, in business and in, in, uh, a lot of things are not patentable in the sense that you're finding solutions to problems. So, to me, every single day is trying to make a problem better because they certainly find you and, 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 and in business, there's a wide variety of them. So not all of them are a patentable invention, but if you are of the mindset that you're not going to live with something, you're going to fix it, you're going to make it better, then you start thinking that way, I think. And, and to be honest with you, I always say no one ever, I've never seen any one person have the best idea. So I give a lot of credit to a team, right? Now we have a great group of people here at Firearms are very creative, very knowledgeable. And I think somebody has to kind of be the genesis. You have to have that birth of the idea saying, why is this? And I guess one of, one of, a good example of that might be Muzzlock. We technically didn't patent it because it wasn't patentable, but we created Muzzlock out of the fact that I kept knocking guns out of the vice trying to tighten a uh, crush washer with a standard A2 type flash hider. And I couldn't time it right. And uh, it, it irritated me. So we worked on that. And another one that we did that was pretty interesting was the backstrap safety. And the backstrap safety for the AR-15 is a pistol grip similar to a 1911. And uh, we, we designed and patented that, which is adaptable or manufacturable into a new firearm. And that was 
really just to kind of support new shooters or, as it turned out, maybe to support law enforcement that have those split-second decisions in back alleys and dim light where they're transitioning from a rifle to a pistol or they're going to go take a rifle and then and actually apprehend someone. So you're looking at things and you say, you know, why, why do we want to live with problems? Let's make life better. Some are mechanical solutions and some are not mechanical, but... I just think it's a mindset. And if somebody comes up with an idea, then I always, always have seen where a team of people say, hey, that's a good idea, but hey, let's put the handle on the left side. It'd be easier. Or let's raise it up two inches or whatever. So I love someone getting mad enough to say, we've got to fix this. And then I love seeing a team come up with the best solution to fix that. But, so it's a fun process. You have to look at it as a game. I don't look at it as a task. So two things uh, to follow up on that. So first off, let me just start off by saying, I'm a very, I'm very intrigued. I have no manufacturing background, but I'm very intrigued by the resurgence sort of of American manufacturing. You know, we could talk about that a little bit in the show. Um, I read an article years ago about how the U.S. was primed for sort of like a, you know, a getting manufacturing back into the country from overseas, and it kind of intrigued me a bit. And uh, I always think of things like Kydex holsters. And it's like, I see all these companies, they're making Kydex holes. And I'm like, at some point, it's kind of like saturated to the point where it's like, I mean, how do you really improve on that? And I'm waiting for someone to do something really, really original, but it seems like that's just, that market just doesn't seem to change much. And I, and I feel like your company does really come up with some really cool stuff that I'm like, wow, that's, that's kind of neat, you know? And, and it's gotta be hard to do that in your line of work to really come up with really new stuff in an industry that's, you know got tons and tons of products and tons and tons of manufacturers. It, it isn't, isn't. And really I'd, I'd like to address that first part that you were talking about, because to me, uh, as you know, we have other entities and, and, and I primarily have a day job with manufacturing outside of firearms, but the, the issue of uh, onshoring manufacturing capabilities to the United States, I don't want to go too far on this, but literally if you had video, you'd see me standing on a soapbox because it is biblical to turn plowshares, plowshares to swords. You have to be able to defend yourself with manufacturing, and that goes from melting steel to making weapon systems. And you can go as far as pharmaceuticals or any other industry. Uh, right now, the chips, microchips have been hitting the news yeah. immensely, right? So America was a great, great, great leader in the manufacturing in the world at one time. And we, we gave that up for whatever corporate reasons. And I won't say greed, but you can make your own assumptions. We, yeah. we gave profits. up a lot of We gave jobs. it up for profits. Yeah. And, it's, and, and so, you know, I, I we were in the automotive business during the time when China was just sucking work out of this country. And I, I told a buyer at a, at a large automotive company one day, I said, you'll rue the day. You're feeding an 800-pound gorilla. He's going to rip your arm off and beat you with it. And uh, that was a quote, by the way. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't do work for that That's company anymore. But it did come to roost. And, and right now, there is a resurgence of manufacturing. And I, I cannot tell you how strongly I feel about our ability to produce goods in this country independently of uh, – the, the aid of other countries. Of course, we have allies, but we are so dependent on China. It's, it's bad. It's very bad. Yeah. So uh, I have very strong feelings about it. You'd have to hit your red button and delete words if I were to <laughs> No, you're, well, you're we don't even have a red button. I'm you're not fine. sure if you've heard of them, and I don't know. I can't remember the guy's name, but um, the, he runs, he owns um, Onnit, the company Onnit out of Maine. 
they do some jujitsu stuff, which you know Keith <laughs> makes fun of me about all the time. And but there's some other stuff. I'm very proud of you for doing it. Thank honestly, you. you're in way better shape than I am. So and um, but this guy is amazing. Like he wants to do manufacturing. Like if he like he wanted to make hunting clothes, he didn't just buy fabric and start sewing yeah. clothes. He started like actually getting looms and making his own fabric. And he wants to go from God like start to finish and just created a whole network of manufacturing and and. Guys like him, guys like you, when I hear it, it just makes my, like, you get excited. Me. It pumps me up. I love it. So, anyway, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, I really do genuinely, I am passionate about it. Well, I, I literally got up every day with a mission to restore manufacturing. And, and it's not the old way either. And, and, and if, you know, if you are interested in manufacturing, it's something we can talk about for a second. Manufacturing used to be done in different manners. And now equipment and technology are interfacing with manufacturing to a higher degree than I've ever seen in my life. And I've been doing this 43 years. And I watched the first CNCs roll out, the first wire machines roll out, blah, blah. And right now, our ability to harness technology to create the most output per talented American worker mitigates labor costs. So leveraging high-tech equipment and putting capital to use in manufacturing versus 10 people on a deburring bench um, we have to embrace a new phase of manufacturing. We can't go back yeah. to the old way. We'll lose. We, we, we can't win with that. But if we embrace the new technology and we go forward with what, what I like to, to term, and I had a customer say, and we use the word factory of the future. And uh, the factory of the future for us in manufacturing will do three things. It'll win the best value, not necessarily lowest cost, but best value in a quality value proposition in the manufacturing. So you win business, obviously. Second of all, we pay our people more than people in a 20-mile radius. You won't keep them. So we have to pay our people well and treat them right. The third thing is we have to have a higher return for our shareholder than we do our competitors do so we can continue to investing in capital. And historically, those those oppose each other, right? If you're going to pay people more, you're going to make less. If you're going to be a value to your customer, you're not going to have high margins. That's not true. And it has to take a attitude to use high-tech manufacturing and look into the future. So factory of the future is not what it was 10 or 20 years ago, as much as I love that and was part of it. But you have to look forward and we're going to compete. We're going to beat people in other countries, not by going toe to toe. We have to be much smarter than we have been in the past. And the ability is there and the capabilities are there. We just have to set our, our, our goals on that. And as a manufacturing country, um, not to be on a soapbox again, but that's what we got to do. We, we've got to win this game. It's team America versus team, you name it, right? Well, your passion is is awesome. And uh, Keith, I know you had a question about manufacturing. Yeah, and and I promise we will move on from manufacturing because we definitely don't want to talk just about that. But um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more about some of the other uh, types of manufacturing that you do, especially in the automotive space. I know you had done that in the past. Um, I'm a big car guy. I have uh, enough knowledge about manufacturing to be dangerous. My, uh, my parents both work for a, a company that man, that manufactures, uh, uh, tanks like, uh, oil, oil tanks, water tanks, stuff like that. But, uh, um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the other industries that you manufacture parts for and, and what are some cool things like aerospace stuff's got to be cool. I know that stuff's got to be like heat treated, right? Oh yeah, my yeah, metal, metallurgical processing, heat treat, thermal processing, conditioning. Um, yeah, I, I think our predominant, if you were to rate them, defense would be our number one industry outside of the firearms that, that the other companies uh, serve, which is a separate entity than machining. But they're they're family, but you know they're they're tied with with well, me and yeah. uh, so. Yeah, and I think I think the way to put you know to put like all these other businesses is that you know the most of the. Uh, 
I would say industry and certainly most of your listeners are going to know Faxum for Faxum Firearms. Correct. Um, you know, but uh, Bob and and Barry and their their family have they've been at <clears throat> business in this greater Cincinnati region, you know, for a long, long time, just themselves since the seventies, let alone their parents and so on. So yes, there are some things where like, you know, there's technicalities with companies that this used to be one, now it's two, now it's this, now it's that. Sure. You know, we, we certainly support each other. Bob, Bob likes to joke about his, uh, his day job. I call it facts and South cause they're only about 10 minutes South of us. Yeah. <laughs> but we, you know, we used to, up until two years ago, we shared uh, facility space um, yeah. with, with facts and machining. So, and what you get with facts and firearms too, is like a, a bit in in my purview of like a spillover of that expertise, that knowledge, that history and background in manufacturing and engineering and quality um, that we could take from, you know, yes, uh, you know, facts and machining, parts on Mars, parts on the ocean floor. And the same two brothers who had that company also have this one. That's crazy. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it definitely spills over. So yes, we, we do want to mind our P's and Q's and make sure that we go, yes, okay, we were one, now there's two now they're separate but people are still involved so everybody is technicality but the love and the passion and and the the pedigree definitely runs the role yeah i can i can hear that when bob so i hear that passion and it's amazing you know i i do want to bring it back to guns for a minute um i know that you guys make oem products but in my opinion you really shine in your aftermarket parts uh i particularly love your pistol slides but I have recently become a SIG fanboy. (laughs) And uh, unfortunately, you don't make SIG compatible slides. Uh, So... I feel like Sig Sauer has a pretty large share of the market. They're they're definitely one of the you know bigger polymer you know in the polymer market and whatnot. What makes you decide what brands you're going to you know be going after and give your aftermarket support to in a case like that? So you right now your slides are for Smith and Wesson M and P's and for Glocks, and I, I kind of get Glock right. Like Glock has got the, probably the strongest aftermarket support. Yeah. So I, I I think every company that's where you start, or at least a lot of companies start, but where do you kind of like say, yeah, we're going to go MP, not SIG, or, you know, I, I get why maybe you'd stay away from something a little more niche, but I'm just curious about that. I, I think it's it's easy to say here because I'm going to give credit to a lot of the people here in this building. We have a very highly interested in firearms group of employees here, if you can only imagine, right? <laughs> so we have people here on our team that are just really, really good and in tune with trends, needs, wants, desires, and uh, a lot of stuff we build, we, we build that we would think we would want ourselves. So it's a combination of opportunity. In other words, where's the venue to actually have a business model to begin with? What's the complexity? What's the model build out? What are you going to start with? How hard will you, how much engineering we have to put in after product one to go to product two, three, four? What, what's, what's the development of that product? So our biggest uh, challenges. There's so many things that we want to do, but when you are running short in capacity for current model numbers and parts and pieces, it's a challenge in a business model to expand the the SKU number. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strategy there that we want to make everything for everybody. And we always have the challenge to where do we focus additional resources or CapEx into more capacity for what we would call core products and how much resources or capital do we want to put into new product development? And, um, I think the bigger driver would be where we feel the market is the most open. In other words, people haven't answered the need yet. We, we would try to get in there fairly quickly. Um, not from a business model, but because there's nobody doing it and somebody wants it. But but it actually does lend to a, a business model. And um, the biggest thing that we 
probably the biggest challenge that we have is is the talent that takes a concept from either a napkin sketch at lunch or a customer drawing and goes from a drawing or 3D model in some cases to a part that you can put in your hand and use. The interface between concept to first article or, or an FAI first piece it takes a lot of talent and, it, and it's the constraints. So we look at how long, what's our longevity of the run of the product? Mm-hmm. Is it something that we're going to run for years and years so we can eclectically build up the scale of the business with pieces that we've developed and then we can use continuous improvement to make them better, which is much easier and more fun than getting over the hurdle of a first article. So engineering resources, where's the market the most open and what do our people think would be the right things to make? So it's a combination. Yeah. So, I mean, in all fairness to you guys, when you came out with those slides uh, and I've followed your stuff for a while, I, if I'm, I could be mistaken, but I don't think there was a P365 at that point. I don't think there was a P320 at that point. So, uh, right. So at that time, and I know this because I had a, uh, I have and had an MMP 9C at that time, the first generation. And so at that time, the MMP was the like, it was the Glock in that. Right? That was kind of the next thing. You can maybe make an argument for like Springfield stuff, but um, I know a lot of people that would say there's no way I would spend money and waste time on that. So, um, <laughs> But I really appreciate your answer in saying that, Mike, I'm sorry, you're out of luck. We're not going to make you a slide for your SIG. So thank you for, uh, for doing yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. Oh, but no. I would say too that like a lot of it is also what is, what is our customer base passionate about and for within our brand? And if they don't know us for the A-Rack or, uh, you know, full firearms, you know, they know us for barrels. And so you'll see that a lot of times in the pistol market, we start with the barrel before we add something else. Right. You know, we, and you do have we, those for SIGs. I know that. So, yeah, we have all kinds of those for SIGs. And, and, that's, and that's the deal, too, of going in. And when, it, when I look at it from a marketing perspective and I'm looking at market research and I'm seeing what's performing and, and don't get me wrong, guys, there is part of me that every time we're tagged in a photo that one of our P365 barrels is in a slide that we didn't make. You know, I cringe. <laughs> I go, we didn't make that. We, we, we're not making that yet. Yet. But yet is the big I'll point. hold out hope. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good from this conversation, guys. Thank you very much. Mike, Mike maybe pushed you over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> but, but people know it. The, the first thing that they want to upgrade their, you know, especially their personal carry weapon or their competition pistol or what have you, they, they want to fax and barrel in it. And that's yeah, something yeah. that, you know, we always offer with tighter tolerances uh, than OEM. It's better lockup. You're going to have better longevity and, and pending you're a decent shooter, you'll, you'll also have, you know, accuracy improvements and be able to run a whole host of different types of ammunition through it. So those things are our pedigree. I would, you know, you don't want to chop off the nose to spite the face. And so I think for us, you know, going into a new pistol platform uh, without uh, kind of staking our claim in the ground for the barrel would just, it would be kind of a, you know, it'd be a little upside down. Yeah. You're, 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 you're making, uh, you're making your way in there. Uh, Bob, I have one a personal question for you. I, re- I read in one of your bios that uh, you're an Eagle Scout. Can do you remember? Or can you tell me a little bit about your uh, Eagle Scout service project? Uh, I can. I painted a room at church, and got <laughs> okay. in trouble because I ate donuts on a Saturday that were meant for a Sunday service, and <laughs> we thought the donuts were in the room to uh, to feed the crew. So uh, I, you would have eaten. You would have you would have ate the donuts too. I would have ate the donuts too, one hundred percent. I uh, would have had them Sunday anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, these are complimentary. It was just being proactive, in my opinion. Um, um, I, have you ever told that story? Because I did not read that story. 
No, I have not. Uh, it's literally true, though. And I was the third. My brothers were both eagles. So my mom, uh, I had no choice. I would have been disowned had I not gotten her the third pin for her lapel. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you this. I got to tell you this about Scouts. Scouts a great thing. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a great, great experience for me. But my favorite, favorite outing that we would do, we went to a gun range. Yeah. A lot, and, of, I mean, a lot of Scouts tell me that. Yeah. And we would line up and the scout masters at the time, great people, man, gave their time, super people. They would bring their 22s and we'd have a bolt action. They're mostly bolts. And there was maybe some semi-automatics and we would get 10, 22 rounds, 10 shells. And we would lay down prone. We would be in a row. We would start, we would shoot 10 rounds. We would get up and go in line. I would go in line until it was dark or they said we are done and I could <laughs> not wait to go on the, on the 22 and get your marksmanship merit badge. When I was a kid, I could not shoot enough 22s. That's that good. was that was a highlight. Well, we're going to talk more in depth on 22s later, but it's the, I'm going to come back we, to this. We feel the it, same way, really. It's, honestly, it's interesting that this, you know, that could have been the start of it all, really, right? Yeah. It's, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, I, I I'll tell you this. I've got in my office at the other place. We have a gun vault, as you can imagine, I guess. Mm-hmm. And in the gun vault, you'd think you'd see all this cool stuff. Yeah, fine. I have my original Daisy. Plastic stock lever action, 1894 with the saddle ring. Because <laughs> people don't believe I still have the gun that I watched east, east of the Mississippi with personally. <laughs> I have that gun in my office because people don't believe it. So when I was, ever since I was a kid, man, people used to have the dreams about falling. They go out of bed like they're falling. Mine was I ran out of freaking ammo. <laughs> my dream was I ran out of ammo. And if you see me go into the woods to go hunting or anything, You'll know that's true. That's yeah. cool. Well, it's interesting because uh, I was given a BB gun when I was, you know, I don't know, seven, eight, or eight years old. It's a, it's a Daisy, not a Red Rider, but it is a Daisy. And um, I, it was like in my dad's closet. And then when I moved out, it was in my closet in my apartment. And I, I never shot it, but it just kind of moved. And then I, we bought a house, my wife and I, and it was in my closet. And then my son was born. And a couple of humans. And then the other, not too long ago, we took him out and shot the view. So it's kind of cool. Like, I bet you a lot of people don't have their first their first gun being a BB gun. But I, I, well, I, I got my first 22 back. Uh, I've told the story on the show. My grandfather's 22. And after yeah. he passed, it went to my uncle. And when my before my uncle passed, he passed it back to me. And uh, I, I, that was like, the I want that gun, yeah. to, my kids to shoot that gun. I know. know. So I feel a little bad here. Um, you know, as Bobby and the president, I feel like he gets all the all the juice. But Dustin, I feel no, bad. No, we have don't. I, make, Dustin, we have I, questions for. I Dustin. I want to bring Dustin worry. in on this conversation. So, <laughs> Joe, it's okay. So no, Dustin, he said he was like Ed McMahon. I, I <laughs> so we Bob calls me on my way home last night to make sure we're so good for today, and and uh, we're going over some notes, and uh, and uh, I said, don't worry, Bob, I'll be the Ed McMahon to your Johnny Carson. <laughs> Well, our, our goal is that hopefully the notes that you prepared for are nothing like the interview. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I what I have uh, is nothing. If you stole <laughs> off, yeah. off in the head, you right? I've always felt if you couldn't sit in front of a microphone and talk about the business that oh, you yeah. have your heart and soul in. Yeah. Don't do the show. Right, right. If somebody's got your hand up your backside, moving your mouth, it's not really an interview. I yeah. love that. I love that. So, Dustin, I I'm a big believer that a big part of saving the Second Amendment and building the Second Amendment has to do with the marketing and branding of the Second Amendment. And and kind of give me a little bit of room here to kind of stretch my legs. But you deal in marketing for a living, and uh, I'm curious what, in your opinion, what some of the ways that we can make firearms more appealing to the masses and make it 
um, more of an apolitical topic. And let me just really quickly, I have to do this. It's like a contractual thing. I have to talk about jujitsu a few times on every episode. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was demanded by a review. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you know anything about like UFC or anything like that, like back in the day, it was a very kind of like fringe sort of a thing that sort of took the nation, but it really, it didn't grow until Dana White, who's the head of the UFC took over. And just the other day I was listening to Joe Rogan and he had Mark Zuckerberg on and Mark Zuckerberg, who I think pretty much safe to say he probably hates guns, uh, is on there and he's talking about jujitsu and he says, I just, I love it. I love it. it. It's great. And I'm thinking you choke people. <laughs> you, you strangle people, but like yeah. there's a lot of violence in this, but celebrities are flocking to jujitsu and I can give you other examples of this, you know, but like that, this is the one that's kind of near and dear to my heart because it's a, a hobby of mine, but it's like, I feel like they did a good job of sort of marketing it to this like, oh, it's, it's, it's great. It's an art. It's, and I'm a big uh, proponent of the idea of, um, pairing things for for instance i know a lot of gun owners who love cars yeah right we had a guy on the show a while back and he's like you know what i do i go to these guys that have supercars lamborghinis ferraris and i say hey why don't we make a custom gun that matches your ferrari and now you're bringing in a guy who maybe never wanted guns he's like that's cool like you know what i like fast cars i like fast guns you made one that looks like my car awesome so my now that i've kind of stretched my legs a bit dustin i'm going to give you the mic you're gonna to have to ask dustin that question again yeah wh- <laughs> how how do we market this better so that we bring in the the zuckerbergs we bring in the people who they don't want to like guns but when they see how cool they are they have no choice but to embrace the second amendment no that's a fantastic question i i mean for for me it, it's one of those things that um makes me glad that i work where i work and with whom i work with and for uh, because literally one of our trademarks is the fellowship of firearms. And you'll notice that on a bunch of like our new pistol packaging, you open the lid, it says, welcome to the fellowship of firearms. Um, and that I think is a key thing that frankly had to be exercised over the last couple of years through COVID and all the civil unrest and everything that we had. You see all these new gun owners and then you as a two A community now have a decision to make. You could either uh, you know, for, forgive my figure of speech, but you could be Billy Badass and try to not let them in and, and be a punk about it um, and say how they're only going to be here until things calm down and they're going to pawn their guns and it's going to be this and that and the other thing. Or um, you could welcome them in. Um, you could give people that stepping stone in, whether it's uh, helping them get to training take a class, recommend some people to uh, learn from, you know, we can market as much as we want. You know, I could watch my analytics. I can uh, grow our mailing list. Uh, We could do, you know, one of these interviews every day. Um, But at the end of the day, you need to be uh, in a place where you are welcoming people in uh, to the community and not making them feel bad for asking questions or having opinions that maybe aren't 100 percent fleshed out yet. Um, You know, and, and a lot of stuff, you know, even when it comes to products, you know, we were talking about you know, products that we have patents on or, or new ideas that we have. And uh, if anything's really revolutionary, um, it's going to be somewhat polarizing. 
right? And I think when you get into the firearms um, uh, as a as a sport, as a hobby, uh, as a position of defense, um, you know, it's going to take a while for you to acclimate your tastes and preferences. There are going to be people who get, and, and, and we don't badmouth other companies here, but they're going to get a gun maybe that isn't great. Uh, they're going to get one that maybe most of the two-way community might poo-poo or, or say isn't good enough or isn't nice enough. Um, and you then have that decision. Are you going to make them feel bad about that purchase and alienate them? Or are you going to welcome them in, help them work with what they have and guide them on a way to, you know, developing a, a little more of, of acute taste, uh, a little more mindful product selection, you know, all of those things. I, I think the scariest thing for people when they get into firearms or want to get into firearms, it's, it's sometimes, yes, it's about the gun. A lot of times it's about the people and it's about the uh, the caricature of the two-way community that they've been, uh, you know, given by, you know, politics or the media or whatever. I, there's, there's nothing we can do as individual companies and marketers that's any better uh, or will go farther than that personal experience and that personal interaction of welcoming people in. Well, yeah. you know, there, there's two things, if I could add to that. Yeah, please. I, I agree 100%, right? And the Fellowship of Firearms is what we're talking about. And and what's really good is if you drive something from your heart, right? If you really feel about something, you're not being told from New York, this is what you should say as a banner ad. If you really think there's there's a couple things that are happening. We talk about the Fellowship of Firearms. You talked about a 22 that went from your grandfather to your uncle to you, and then you want to hand to your kids. You talked about a BB gun you picked up after two generations. If we continue to focus on these things, I think it's a positive outcome for people that really there's not an argument over. Every weapon that we make is highly capable to defend your home and do everything that you could think of with a typical firearm. We know that. Those people are committed to this industry and, and they're very good at it. There's there's another group of people, and you know, Dustin talks about welcoming welcoming them in and not alienating them. I've found out recently with different experiences, one of the things we were talking about in our businesses is to take fear away. And whether it's outdoor hunting, fishing, cleaning a deer, for example, um, just the things that you can do outdoors. I think there are people who would jump into our group, into a 2A community and other outdoor sporting goods, uh, sporting activities that don't have the experience, didn't have the grandpa take them, did, haven't cleaned a deer when they were 12, haven't done some of these things. There, They don't want to admit I'm afraid or I'm not knowledgeable over. I don't know. I, I think you're going if, right down the right road, Bob. I mean, this is definitely... You know, I think it goes into some of that 1022 discussion um, yeah. that that we want to have. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more of a pessimist. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm usually... Very, and then I'll be the optimist when he's yeah. done. I'm an optimist. I, so I, I am an optimist too, Bob, by trait. But I, when it comes to things like this, I, I, uh, I'm a preparer. I like to think about different... Uh, I like to think about worst case scenarios, although I believe the best case scenario will almost always be the one that works out. Um, but where I want to go is, you know, the two way is, you know, in my opinion, getting limited by the day, you know, there's new laws being proposed all across the country, New York, you know, where Mike and I are from have been hit really, really hard recently. And I'm kind of curious about the ways that you market, uh, those strategies with that change, you know, uh, changes that might be coming, right? Like SEO term limitations, social media limitations, you know, how are we going to continue this good message, uh, yeah. as these type of things, you know, in my opinion, are going to go away pretty rapidly. 
Yeah, that's that's a great question. I mean, it's something that, um, you know, I look at and uh, sometimes, you know, would rather bite a curb than than look at because, um, you know, I see uh, our audience growing uh, month over month every month. Uh, I see our um, definitely more gun owners every year, right? Yeah, I see our email list growing month over month every month. The the problem becomes, like you said, uh, I mean, you mentioned SEO, you mentioned social media in general. Yeah, I mean, there have been algorithm changes, and there has been a a, a tourniquet uh, kind of put around, uh, <laughs> you know, how we can uh, how we could go. I mean, I could look right now. Uh, my reach numbers in 2020 were better than they are now. Oh, interesting. So I have probably doubled the followers on all of our accounts. That uh, uh, That's an interesting know, stat. I did yeah, not, uh, I, I didn't expect yeah. you to say that. No, I mean, I'm, I'm an open book. No, no, no. I meant it in terms of that. I, I, I kind of thought that I was a little bit ahead of this. I didn't realize it was happening so like so fast, you know um, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, as soon as we got into the last election, we saw the first dip. Um, and then after uh, the January 6th incidents, uh, we saw another big hit mm-hmm. and there was a little bit of stabilization and, you know, it wasn't just us. I mean, I, I well, yeah, I'm sure it's across with, the industry. Uh, oh yeah. I tracked with our major competitors. I tracked um, with the influencers and, and uh, people in the media and some people were reaching out to us. Hey, are you guys, are you guys experiencing this? Are you guys experiencing this? Um, you know, seeing major, major accounts get taken down. I just went through a whole deal with our Instagram uh, account being, uh, you know, take it down, put back on, take it down, put back on, take it down, put back on, you know, talking to people at meta, talking to people at the NSSF, talking to other people in the media, try to get it, you know, back up and stabilized. Um, and that is a double-edged sword because um, I I agree with free market. Right? Sure. And this is uh, you know this is not a public utility. Um, you know when it comes to social, uh, but it also makes you go just like Bob was saying with product. If there's a problem, you've got to be able to find a way to fix it, or you should want to be able to find a way sure. to fix it or make it better. One of our big things was going back uh, and doubling down on email. Um, to make sure that yeah. we can still interact with our audience. That's been a big thing. Um, you know, that's that's one action. And then there are some more like nitty gritty things you could do in the marketing space as far as like whether it's working with influencers, working with people that have media outside of, uh, you know, your typical, you know, big three in the social space and also be be ready and be alert, be on your toes to hop when opportunity is hot. As soon as Elon Musk said that he was going to buy Twitter, our Twitter stats were off the charts hmm. I mean, the best I'd seen since I've been here. Um, and, and now I guess, you know, he may be backing out of that deal. Who knows what the next yeah. hot thing is going to be. I think he's also, just trying to get a better deal. <laughs> yeah. When Parler came up, dude, we crushed Parler, crushed it, and then gone. Right. Yeah. So all of these things, it's like, yeah, sometimes there's going to be duds. Um, and yeah. other it's, it's, like, uh, it's like, it's like, what is it? Uh, VHS and what was the other beta? beta. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's going to win? Yeah. Laser disc, too. Yeah, that's right. There. Well, you know, just really quick to go back to kind of the question I had asked about how do we kind of mainstream it. I think a lot of it actually... Can't let it end on, on, on I can't let Keith win with uh, pessimistic. So I think a lot of it really has to do with your, you know, the industry and the products that we create in terms of 
So I've had a lot of times where people talk about the gun as a tool. I, I, I look at it like it's a tool, but it's also, you know, listen, the, we have a lot of fun shooting. Like we go to the range, we have a good time. And you can have speed tools. I mean, you see those chainsaw guys, some, they're, cutting, <laughs> they're cutting through wood like it uh, takes me a year. Yeah. So it's like, I, like, I've heard people say like, you know, oh, don't waste your money on, you know, stippling your gun or custom paint or custom this, or, you know, why would you buy a pink gun if you're a girl getting if a girl wants to get in the industry and buy a pink gun, let her buy a pink gun. Like if that makes her happy, don't crap all over it. You know, like, like, and, and where I want to go with this is, um, I want to actually bring it back to you guys. You guys do the, the chameleon barrels. Like, I'm sure there's people who were like, I would never put that on my gun. They're all, it's, it's, what's that? Say it again. Bob was one of that was me at first. Yeah. But, but you know what? But it's all, but it's awesome. Like it's another option. Right. And if that brings someone in who just likes that look, Good for you guys for for taking a chance on it. I think that's awesome. So, yeah, and, and as you guys know, at least in the way that we want to do things, firearms can become incredibly personal, right? And people want to personalize. Now, there's there's things that we do that, you know, like for example, the chameleon barrels. You know, that isn't just rattle can. You know, that is actually a, a PVD coated barrel. You know, inside and out. Yeah, it's prior it's, to that. Yeah, I mean, it's still it still has a reason for the coating. But there's also a way that you can make it look cool. So bonus points, you know, and if you don't like it, don't buy it. That's fine. Right. But uh, for, you know, my first shot show, I remember all the guys who walked around. I was like, man, that's fairy stuff. And I was like, you say that they sell out constantly, <laughs> well, so, you know, so like the false bravado or whatever, that's fine. You don't have to like it. Um, if it's not for you, it's not for you. You know, just like there's, you know, some guys who, you know, it's a caliber war with them and some it's right. an aesthetic war. Um, the, the, the fact of the matter is though, that, you know, if we're going to do something, it's not just going to be because it's cutesy. That's not how we do things, but you are buying something that should be an improvement on the original, um, you know, when you're buying stuff from us. And so if some people, all they care about is, Hey, you know what? I'll take that plain salt bath and I try to black one because it's going to give me the better lockup, the tighter tolerances, the accuracy improvement. I'm like uh, ACDC. I always go back to black, you know, like, I, <laughs> but, but I want, I really want to be a chameleon guy, but I, I can't do it. I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, you think they're so cool, but you won't do yeah, it. Yeah. I I'm like, I, is there a world where I could do this? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I could. I, I actually want to, you were talking about like innovation and things like that. I want to actually talk about one of your products. Speaking of innovation, can we talk a little bit about your ambidextrous ejection windowed upper? Um, it, it seems completely logical to us when we were looking at it, that it does have benefits beyond just where the spent casing is ejected. So clearly seeing into the chamber without removing the firearm from, uh, your mounted, your mounting position is a plus. Um, but are we missing some other things here? Has it been a success for you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're just talking, you're speaking of the A-Rack itself. Yes. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. the amp, but the ambidextrous one particularly Yes. Yeah. The A-Rack was started out right-hand and left-hand version only. So we actually made dedicated ejection ports on the upper receiver. And then we had an AMBI. We had all three. And then we realized quickly to eliminate the left-hand only. And we went with the AMBI and right. And then we eventually went with the AMBI because uh, the, the, the new version we're working on has a port cover that's pretty slick. Yeah. And you can change right or left-hand in about a minute. 
by just pulling out the cam pin and rotating the bolt 180 degrees. And you guys heard the first podcast that Bob has said something about the new one that's being worked on. I like pushing them off the ledge. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. That's very, very We're working cool. on some cool stuff, but I'm a left-handed shooter because of left eye dominant. And I heard that 10% are left-handed, but 30% are left eye dominant. And, um, you know, I, and I want to go back to the barrels. I want to go back to what we were talking about. How do we, how do we make this more comfortable? I can tell you this. One of the things about our company is we're not here to tell you what to get. We're not here to tell you that you have to have. We're not here to tell you what's right for you. I think as a company, we're supposed to figure out the spectrum of products within a reasonable window and say, hey, look, you want a chameleon barrel? You don't. That's perfectly fine. We have both. And it's the same with calibers, same with the rifles, the ARACs, the lightweight, whatever it is. We are here to offer options for what the consumer wants and what's going to fit their needs. That's key. But I want to go back again to what Dustin was saying because I, I don't want this to get missed. I don't care what the chameleon coating, the PVD, et cetera. But just to be like technically clear, PVD is a line of sight coating. So you're not going to get any coating in a chamber or the bore of the barrel, which is critical, right? That's the functionality. So the PVD coating is put on first. And then there's a preparation, I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the uh, salt bath nitrate is put on first, which does everything from a functional standpoint for that barrel. And then when the PVD coating is prepped and plated on the outside for line of sight, those technically aren't really the high wear surfaces like the chamber and the bore. So when you look at a product like that, we will, I, I will tell you this, I don't believe there'll ever be a day if I'm alive that we're making a part that is pretty, that sacrifices functionality or reliability. So even though you see a chameleon looking barrel and you know, you can, you can question the things, but it will be always our goal that you will have a hundred percent of the reliability and functionality before we put any kind of candy color coating on it. Let's talk about this functionality um, on this ambi really quick because um so I get the idea that basically there's a port on each side you can close one you can cl- you would never keep both open obviously right you can if with this if you don't have a suppressor it's not an issue at all so what As does it do fact, then it's because you can you can do a press check and see your boat uh, location from the opposite side without even pulling the gun away from your shoulder. Oh, because it would be, I got it. Would be depend on which bolt you have in. Correct? Is that what you're saying? No, it's the same bolt. Same bolt. We just flip it. Our oh, bolt, oh, oh, so it's the ejection. Our bolt uh, ejects at three o'clock because yeah, we use yeah, yeah. steel rails and the upper receiver for the. We have a I rectangular bolt carrier. Uh, we don't use a lot of common air parts in the A rack, so we made a total design deviation because That's if you cool. hold with certain parts, then they naturally have to have mating parts that limit your creativity. Our, we have a hardened steel uh, rail system that our boat carrier rides on with a dual recoil spring system. It's forward. So it's, it's significantly different than another. So it goes into battery without the liability of the uh, typical AR for holding out a battery. If you do a press check, it has a lot of different things. You know, the forward charging handle, the ambidextrous folding, non-reciprocating spring return, multi-port long stroke gas piston system monolithic upper yeah and just for the for just for your listeners who maybe aren't as familiar you know with our backstory and i do appreciate you guys saying hey you don't have to do the whole you know the whole uh, dog and pony show on on the the story but you know the a rack is what started the business that, that uh, this portion of the business and firearms as a whole you know it was um you know bob's uh, kind of I got pissed off one day. (laughs) He got pissed off one day for multiple reasons. Uh, But so it's not just like an upper. This is not an upper that you're going to throw like, uh, 
you know, regular AR parts in. It is a complete upper system that could drop on any mil-spec AR-15 lower. Um, but it, that's how it started, was a complete upper, and then we made them into complete rifles, and that's the current offerings, the uppers and the rifles that you see uh, online um, and uh, in, in our dealers' websites and so on. So, yeah, so, I mean, yes, the AMBI is part of it, but, you know, as, as Bob could get into more... It's a whole system. It's a whole yeah. system, and, and that was the first, you know, kind of patent that was bequeathed to this company. Well, as of as of the recording, you guys are sold out of them. So uh, um, ho- hopefully there'll be some soon. But uh, Dustin, I want to ask one other question about we just can't get away from 1022s. I, Mike and I both talked and we wanted to kind of dedicate that to our last segment. But um, I, I thought it was important to talk about in the interview section. Talk a little bit about the uh, 1022 builder giveaway you did last year. Um uh, Mike, M- Mike and I both have custom 1022s. Uh, he totally built his i sort of put, put, had mine already started when i uh when i finished it and uh but i wanted to hear a little bit about the contest and how it went and are you going to do it again mm-hmm. yeah we actually have some new stuff coming up um for 1022 uh as we approach the month of october because you can't get away from doing 1022 promotions on ten. not when it's 1022 yeah exactly so uh, keep an eye on that's that. why he's head of marketing <laughs> i could put the numbers together um, anyway. <laughs> uh, but it, they really went ham on the pie day thing. Anyway, the um, 1022 stuff. Yeah, the, the sweepstakes was great. You know, it, this ties back into marketing as well. I what mean, is the sweepstake, though? You have to give pictures of your... I was trying to find a little details on it. I, I oh, that, that one, uh, that's just a way to do bonus entries. So basically, you know, the sweepstakes is, I mean, you sign up, you register for the sweepstakes, all that sort of stuff. The sweepstakes is the sweepstakes is the sweepstakes. Oh, I thought it was like, I thought you, I, I thought you might want like to pick like the best 1022 built with your parts or something like that. No. And that's something that as we proliferate um, that product family, that would, that will probably be in the works. At the time when we first did that sweeps, um, we had just done kind of the first batch of barrels, maybe first two uh, series of barrels and our uh, receivers. Um, we have more coming. We have, um, you know, since then we introduced bowl barrels. We've introduced shorty barrels, which have uh, taken very well. Our 1022 receivers have been, uh, you know, wonderfully received by the public. Um, and, uh, we also have, you know, new bolts coming, um, you know, and, and a bunch of other new stuff. There's, I did some product photos for some limited edition items, uh, that'll be coming out. Um, uh, just finished those today. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there, but that ties back into the marketing. The sweepstakes is, you know, another way to kind of fight back against the social media algorithm and okay. also allow for us to partner up with other companies, um, in the industry. Like, don't get me wrong. It's competitive. It's 100% competitive, but we also know that there's a larger uh, iceberg ahead of this Titanic, and uh, <laughs> there is a bit that the uh, that you know these marketing forces need to need to stick together, especially when you're complementary products. Yeah. So let's put a um, pin in this right now because I do want to talk about it more in the later segment for sure. But where can people find you? Uh, where's all your social? What's all that stuff? I do have some stuff in the show notes, but why don't you just give a shout out? Yeah, for sure. So you could follow us at Facts and Firearms on just about any platform, except for Twitter. You want to know why? I do. Because Bob stole at Facts and Firearms for his Twitter. So we are at <laughs> Facts and underscore Firearms. Yeah, really? Funny. Yes. I don't use it. <laughs> well, 
Well, maybe I'll steal it back. <laughs> we can talk later. I'll we'll make talk. you a deal. Oh, yeah. I'll make okay. you a deal. <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's true. This is a very uh, revealing interview. Yeah. yeah. All right. We, we aim to we aim we to aim please. Please, right? Yeah. 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 But if you just go to factsandfirearms.com, you scroll down to the homepage. We have a link tree in there. There's, you know, you could you could find all of our our social profiles there. But yeah, on the big three, just follow at facts and firearms or at facts and underscore firearms in the home for all that is factsandfirearms.com. Cool. Well, Bob, I got to tell you, it sounds like he's doing his job. Yeah. He's doing a good job for uh, you. <laughs> we're, we're lucky to have him. He's a great guy. We have, we have a really gr- good group of people here. My brother, my nephew, everybody. It's it's great. And Joey is our CEO. We got we just have a, a really, a really good group of people here. And to me, business is people with people. It, it is all about people. People centric. Are you the uh, chief officer of fun? Me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, I think I'm a good time. I think I'm funny too. But my kids know. Well, kids I'll, think I, I have dad jokes. I love it. Uh, are you guys down to play some run and gun with us? Sure. I am. Awesome. So before we get to that, run and gun is sponsored by Resurgent Arms, longtime supporter of our show. So get 12% off with our discount code gun experiment 12 and go check out all their product line. So guys, there's two of you who would like to go first. Dustin. Okay, so oh. Dustin, you're going to take the first question, and then Bob second, and then you'll go back and forth. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Is this timed? How do we win? It is it timed, is timed and you four. win by having the fastest time. I will say two people's tough, but I think you guys can do it. Okay. All right. If we lose, it's his fault. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Here we go. Number one, Dustin, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Mm, FX-19 Patriot. What gun would you buy if money were no object, Bob? Eric 21, period. <laughs> Dustin, if you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Mm. Elon Musk. Uh, Elon, uh, that, that's me, Bob. Uh, I'm going to go Ray Charles. Favorite, oh, favorite caliber, Bob? 22. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Uh, uh, music. If you could have one superpower, what would it be, Bob? Oh, wow. I want to be like uh, Iron Man. Dustin, all hell break. Dustin, I want them all. Dustin, all hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Huh? Dustin, all hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Ooh. Trained in the art of mind control. (laughs) Bob, is it better to be loved or feared? (laughs) I love to be feared. (laughs) (laughs) Dustin, rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Oh, pistol. Bob, you're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? Other than my spouse, Elon Musk. Let's mix it up. Two people's a hard route. Yeah, uh, we're just not going to talk about that. Time, okay, <laughs> we'll just move on. Let's mix it up is brought to you by Onsite Firearms Training. They have an extensive course offering and teach classes across the country. You're guaranteed to find a course to meet your needs. So check them out and get trained by the same outfit that trains the gun experiment. So on this episode of Let's Mix It Up, we revisit the 1022 platform. I'm going to tell you how I came up with this. I was looking, doing my research, looking through your stuff. Um, Dustin, you were kind enough to send me a bunch of things. And I saw you guys talking about your 1022 um, product line. I think it might have been when you first kind of started developing it. And the one thing that caught really, really caught me, Bob, was yeah, you could talk about products and you could talk about price points and you could talk about manufacturing all you want. But you said the word, and I have this in quotes, you said the word fellowship. And mm-hmm. how the the twenty two probably more than any other gun in in my opinion and Keith I think you're going to elaborate on this a bit it really does create and I'm going to use your word fellowship and you know Keith I know you wanted to talk on this a bit yeah I well 
Mike, uh, Mike and I bonded uh, probably first in the firearm world over 1022s. Uh, Mike started, I moved, Mike moved into the neighborhood first. I, I moved into the neighborhood second. Listeners really know the story. He, he kind of came up with a 1022 competition. And uh, from then on out, we've been like uh, the three best friends, 1022, Mike and I. <laughs> Yeah. So um, we believe in that. Like yeah, we, we believe in it. We we take people, uh, since we've gone on this journey together, we've introduced people to firearms for the first time, and we always introduce them with a 1022. And by the end of uh, our range session, they have always hit 100 yards, you know, with a 1022 on steel. And that's like a pretty gratifying thing for someone who's never shot a firearm before. Uh, so I think that fellowship is definitely... Yeah, we running feel through it. our veins. You we know? feel it. So, I, if you want to just you know briefly talk about how how you feel about that idea of fellowship, I, I I know it's out there on your content, but I'd love for you to kind of provide our listeners with it as well. I think the twenty twos. I don't want to use the word starter gun. It's a firearm. It's lethal, and you have to be very careful. But I think the twenty two is where you'd see. Oh, and, and you know, here, here's a picture. We did a church outing one time and we, we support the, the, the shooting event. Uh, we do shotguns in the morning and then we do rifles in the afternoon. And some of the folks here were kind enough to go out. And I have a picture and it's personal. It, it'll never hit an ad. But it was a grandfather with a with a son and his son was on his lap and he was pulling the trigger on an ARAC 21 at a gun range with earmuffs on. And I have a picture of the three of them standing from grandfather, father, and son <laughs> and, and pulling gun. And to me, that is my picture. That is my picture. And, and when you hand firearms down <clears throat> and you're, you're sharing time with people outdoors, things like that, I just, I just think it's priceless. And that's why even when you talk about what do you want to really go to war over? What do you want to stand over and just not debate? And there's a lot of things in the second amendment in that category and a lot of people may want to debate them, but when you see the fathers and the sons and, you know, their hunting stories when they were a kid and they did this, I don't know how anybody with a right mind, I don't know how anybody can argue or defy the, the Americanism and the, the fellowship and the family aspect of those activities. And that, to me, there's no argument against that. That is solid, holy ground. Yeah. I always say that when we're talking about the Second Amendment and people start to compare the, I don't want to get too de- far down the rabbit hole here with like politics and stuff, but when we talk, I, no. when we talk about um, Americans and people who are on the other side of the conversation say, well, you know, in in Australia, they did this and this was a result. And in England, they did. And I, I always say, but we're not those countries. You know, this is a part of the, the fabric of who we are. It's part of our DNA. It's, it's literally how we won our independence and became the country that we are. And I, I agree with you. I mean, like if you look back in history, it was farm. A lot of farmers were, were fighting that war. And a lot of it was hunting rifles. And a lot of them learned from very basic you know, very basic arms that they had learned as young boys. So, you know, pr- protecting and, and providing on the homestead. So I, I do agree with that idea that it's, it isn't a very American thing. And when we talk about the 1022, in my opinion, <clears throat> the 1022 of all the 22s, it's unrivaled in modularity. I just love it. You know, mm-hmm. I love the fact that it ha- you can just find so many cool parts. You can find so many, you can really make it yours, which just kind of goes back to that what we were talking about earlier about bringing people in the fold by making it their own gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love the fact that you guys have sort of entered this, this world and that you're creating 1022 parts. Um, can you tell us just about like maybe the future of your line and 
where you continue the line and start going to charging handles and trigger <laughs> housings. And, you know, I, I'm getting all excited. I want to build another gun. Yeah. So we, uh, well, first of all, uh, thank you, uh, for, for complimenting that. I, I know sometimes when, um, you know, people see a, a, a gun company kind of make a move, especially that, you know, especially if you're affiliated so heavily with, you know, black rifle with AR, which oh, is not anything yeah. we're giving up or going to, you know, stray away from. But when we do something like this, you know, it was at least from where I sit, it felt more like a, like a passion project. Um, that we still wanted to have that same uh, pedigree and same reliability and same same quality uh, that we have in the parts that most of our customers and audience have. So, you know, one of the things is I and I toted this when we first did the first press release is that it's going to be, uh, you know, everything you love about our AR and pistol barrels now in the beloved 22. Um, you know, so it's still the 416R stainless that's machined right here in the shop. You might be able to hear the machines running, Bob, and I came back to the office to, re to record tonight. Uh, second shift is out there going. Um, but we, it's the same type of stuff, same quality control, same engineering efforts, um, same marketing efforts. Um, and, and we're putting it behind something that we believe in. And I will say that it is gratifying when I see, uh, you know, people tag us in posts where, uh, you know, the mom or dad builds with our AR stuff and they did a build with their son or daughter with the 1022. And it's not just a kid thing. You know, we actually just sent uh, parts out because Oklahoma State uh, practical shooting team is going to start shooting our 1022s um, in this next season. So it, it's definitely taken uh, different legs. But uh, we started with non-takedown tapered barrels. Um, one of those models has our patented flame fluting on it as well. Uh, we added non-takedown uh, bull barrels as well as shorties. So like your six, your eight uh, inch, inch guys. Um, did do the receiver sets with the uh, extended pick rail, um, which has been fantastic. Uh, we have uh, new bolts that I think we're just waiting on packaging to be delivered um, that uh, will be coming out in October. Um, and uh, we plan to continue down the, you know, down that pipe, you know, whether it's, um, uh, you know, going further into the lightweight side at 1022 or getting into takedown or what have you, uh, playing around with some different chamberings. All of those things are, you know, certainly on the on the drawing board. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's some of the future dabbling with the idea of uh, maybe some full guns. Maybe you'll see those in, in, in uh you know, a short time. Dustin, yes. you, you mentioned, um, you mentioned, uh, that you had, you know, seen, uh, stories of, of, uh, customers of yours building on the AR platform and then building on a 1022 with their, with their kids. I, I think that's, you know, a great opportunity for like Mike and I, you know, something that our, we can do with our kids that they can, you know, pass down and make it that family heirloom, like we talked about earlier in the show today. And I think that that's really, a great way to market this and a great way to, to focus on this fellowship. And, um, I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing it. I think it's a, a good way to, to make it happen. Yeah. And certainly building like a thousand dollar custom rifle might be a lot for a kid's first 22, well, you but know. you could always work up to that. And if they show yep. they're responsible, that could be something that they earn. And sure. I think that that's a great, project well, to I, do together i would build it you know tell them it's theirs but of course it would really be for me i <laughs> that just recently happened with a friend of ours over at gun digest you're uh, a jerk he, he was doing a good they don't listen to the podcast. listen send the parts you know but 
like I'm doing this a little bit at a time because it's a reward for myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But and and you know, adults too. I mean, like I said, they're they're we literally shipped out this week some stuff over to Oklahoma State, um, you know, for their shooting team. So. I mean, just like Bob said, you don't want to call it a starter gun. You don't want to do that, you know, or anything of of that variety. Um, But, you know, the 1022 world is its whole other world. You know, I mean, in the AR world, there's guys who are like, you know, I want to build, um, you know, kind of mil spec recreations or I want to do the stoner rifle or uh, I want to go lightweight to the point that when I shave off a half a gram, I'm throwing a parade for myself. Um, 1022 could be that intense. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. Well, in the sporting market, not just the blinking market. And so and and that's the deal. Listen, if you've trusted us, if you've trusted the facts and name with any other of your firearms um, uh, journey, um, you know, I think that it it just lends to it properly to go. If I could trust them with this, I could trust them with 1022. And they're going to do some things in that in that market that maybe others won't. Well, listen, I'm going to I'm going to kind of put it like this. I, I love the platform. I'm yet to meet someone who doesn't like shooting a 22 and it doesn't put a smile on their face, whether they've been shooting for their entire life or they're a new shooter. And I think it's an awesome product. And, uh, you know, I, I really want to kind of thank you guys for, for going out there and, and doing something like that. And, you know, while I'm at that, you know, Bob and Dustin, I, I want to thank you both for just coming on the show and sharing your years of experience in the firearms industry as well as your thoughts on manufacturing and I, I think we all realize how important it is that we continue to bring manufacturing back to the U.S., but it's nice to know that there are companies like yours that have never left. So thank you for that. To everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media, so be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Discord so we can keep the conversation going. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank of course, you. anytime. We'd love to have you back.